Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome back. Hey, Malika. How are you? Hi, Michelle. How are you? Happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe where we are. Like, we are second week of July. Like, what is happening? I always say when the 4th of July is over, I'm like, half the summer's over. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it just flies by, like, especially, especially here. Heat, we like, we come, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know in Boston, but here the heat is insane. It's so humid here. We go from like winter to summer. There's not really a spring here. Exactly. It's been the same. And it's like, you want to savor every day that like the sun is shining yeah. and, and the, it, I don't care how hot it is because I know that in like a few short months, I'm going to have like, you know, three feet of snow on the ground. And I know you guys get a lot of snow. My kids would love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, today our topic is accelerating your practice leading into a recession. It's not a topic that I, I am thrilled to be discussing because I don't want yeah. this to happen. I remember back in 2008, but what we want to do today is kind of prepare everybody. These are things that you can be working on now. And when you think about it, they're not even things that ju are just because a recession is coming. These are things that like you should be thinking about all the time. But now with this looming recession, maybe putting a little extra focus on certain things. Absolutely. And plan ahead, you know, have a game, game plan. And I mean, it's definitely a hot topic right now. I get clients asking me, so what do you think is going to happen? And, you know, what happened in 2008? I'm a new practice owner now and I'm a little worried, you know, and I think this is important for us to just talk about and discuss so you guys can have a plan in place moving forward. And as you said really well, this should be a, a continuous plan despite the recession or not. Exactly. So you want to kick it off, Malika, with some? Uh... Yes. So the big one here, you know, you know, it was interesting because, you know, when COVID hit, um, a lot of you, I'm sure, can relate to this and all the, you know, social media pages. It was like drop insurances. You know, that was like the, the immediate reaction. You know, as I've had time to work on my practice now versus in my practice because my practice was shut down for a couple months, I realized I don't want to take certain fee schedules anymore because I don't want to get paid, for example, $700 or $800 for a, a crown. So I had a lot of clients, and as I observed behind the scene of, you know, the, I took the backseat of in social media pages, a lot of dentists decided to drop a lot of insurance plans, which is great. If it works for your practice, that's, that's amazing. But at the same time, I feel as we're going into this recession, it is important to see and have, you know, have done your homework before you start unpl unplugging insurance companies. And I say this by, you know, I do some of the manual demographic studies when I do startups and I look at the area, your, the practice is being opened up and the dentist in that area. And what is their competition in the sense of plans that let's say another dentist you can network with. So have you done that? Have you looked at the, the dentist, let's say across the street that potentially is taking 20 insurance plans, PPO, let's say, and you're now deciding to drop five of them. And those five plans are the top employers in that five mile radius, because then you're unplugging what's feeding you and you don't have a plan in place. And especially if, you know, as we're talking about the topic of recession, 
what are patients going to do? They're going to go to places where it's going to save them money. So they're not going to potentially come to a practice that is going to make them pay, let's say, an extra $300 for a crown at a network versus a dentist across the street that potentially has the same number of reviews, same number of stars on Google, that it's going to get their crown done and they only have to pay, pay $426 for a crown versus, let's say, $826 for a crown. So you keep those things in mind and look at your options before dropping. Can I, re- can I negotiate these insurance company plans that I'm with? Can I at least get my top 10, 15, 20 codes upped? And even if it's 1%, 1% of 20 crowns a year, that's a significant number. So I think those are the things to keep in mind before you quickly get emotional and say, you know what? I just read on this Facebook page that everybody's dropping Delta Dental. Okay, first of all, what state are they located in? What is their reasoning for it? What are they offering as a provider or as a dentist in that practice that makes them stand out from the other offices that is is okay for them to unplug that insurance plan? And also, what type of team do you have to support that? Because those all play hand in hand. It's just not terminating a plan, sending a letter to the patient, and then hope that you maybe only lose 10% of of the patient flow that's coming into your practice. I think that's, that's a really important piece of the puzzle. And I see that, and I was just actually, you and I were just chit-chatting about this before we started this podcast, was that I had an office that reached out to me that wanted my support. And what I noticed was that his struggle was that he's losing a lot of active patients. And I said to ask them, like, okay, let me, give me a little more information. How many insurances are you in network with? So on. And long story short, he basically was in network with, I think, 12 plans in January and dropped, I think, eight of them seven or eight. And I looked, when I walked into the office, I observed in the building, those two other dentists across the street, hallway from him, that took a lot of insurances. So he didn't have a plan in place. He just took them because dropped these insurances thinking, okay, this is the way for me to be fee for service and get more for my crown. But he didn't realize that some, a lot of these patients are going across the hallway. And as our conversation got deeper, he's like, yeah, they're all asking for their records and the address they're asking for to go to is literally across the hallway. So I think it's important for you guys to definitely do the homework, put a plan in place. I'm not against dropping insurance plans by all means, but I think it's important for you to have a game plan and know why you're doing this, especially with the recession. This is probably a time to tread lightly and make sure that you are making the right decision. And really, you have a marketing plan in place. You have other tactics to do in order for this to all make sense for you. Yeah, that's that's great. That's, that's really great. I see so many doctors frustrated with the, the low, low reimbursement from insurances and their immediate reaction is like on Monday, that's it. I'm sending my letter in and I'm going to go out of network. And I get it. Like that, that gut reaction is like, yes, that's what you want to do. But your team has to be properly trained on how to handle those patients and explain what's going on with them. And you really want to try to retain as many of them as you possibly can. So there's ways, there's ways to do it. So just like you, Malika, I'm not against dropping the PPOs because I, every time I help a doctor and I see the write-offs and I see what they could be getting out of network, it, it, it really hurts my heart, but it has to be done the right way. It has to be done the right way. Definitely. I mean, as I say, just have a plan in place. I can't say it enough. I think, and a lot of times I hear from the staff, like we had no idea Dr. X dropped that life, you know, (laughs) and 
patients are calling upset and you said he was going to tell us and here we are now. So it's like your team needs to be aware of your decision. And honestly, they should be involved in your decision making because they're the ones answering the phones and they know best, you know, the, and it's, and I think also like what I've learned, I'm sure, I'm sure you see this too, is that really depends on the de- um, demographic and the culture of your practice too. Absolutely. If you mainly are getting pa- you know, patients that are insurance mindset, it's really hard to unplug them, especially if you're so knee deep in insurance plans. So you have to have a really good game plan. I agree. Well, the next thing that I want to dive into is AR and, and what we can do for that. People still have money. People are still spending money. You know, I, I just was at Six Flags for the weekend, right? And I'm like, I'm having a heart attack because I'm like, I just paid $73 for hot dogs at Six Flags. <laughs> and that park was I know. packed. It was packed. So the cost to get in there, all the food, everything that you're doing there, right? People still have money. They still have those discretionary dollars and they're spending. We want them spending them in your office, but we don't want you to fall for the, oh, I don't have any money. Can I pay you $10 a month for the rest of my life? right? You have to have a solid plan in place uh, to get your money, right? So obviously, the majority of, of people out there, your policy is payment at the time of service. I'm a big fan of prepayment. I'm a big fan of collecting at check-in versus checkout to make sure that you're getting that money, right? You deliver a crown, and you come out and the patient's like, oh, I forgot my checkbook. I forgot my wallet. And then you don't have your money. Well, there's no repo man to come and take that crown out of their mouth. I like collecting beforehand. I know when you're dealing with insurances that the estimates can be off sometimes. We expect them to pay something, but for whatever reason, they pay less than what is anticipated. So there is going to be AR. There is going to be you having to follow up on it, sending out statements. So have a solid protocol for that, make sure your team is not just sending out statement after statement after statement with no repercussions for that patient. I'm sure the people that aren't paying you might have credit card companies chasing them too. And the credit card companies that are threatening to charge interest or finance charges and are threatening to send them to collections if they don't pay, they're going to get paid faster than the dental office. So using things like text to pay is great. The second you post that insurance payment and you see that they still have a small balance, you can reach out to the patient, text them a link and have them pay right there. If you're sending out statements, make sure that you have somebody that's making phone calls to that patient too. Yes, your your policy is payment at the time of service, but things sometimes don't go perfectly. So I'd rather someone from your team reach out and talk to the patient and see if we could get them on a payment plan after the fact. Some money is better than no money and it has to be consistent. The other thing that you can use, and I feel like a lot of offices sign up with these companies, but don't use them, are third-party financing companies. There are some fantastic, fantastic third-party financing companies out there. Too many for me to name, <laughs> but there are <laughs> there are some that are so well known and patients will show up at your office and they will have already have a line of credit with them. That's great. There's others that 
maybe are a little bit more patient friendly and actually are approving people with like as low as a 500 credit score and that you are still getting your money up front, you're maybe paying a little bit of a higher, you know, administrative fee or finance charge with that. But I would rather that than be chasing somebody and not get the money at all. There's tons of options out there. And these days when you're presenting treatment to patients and they're thinking about buying stuff, they're not thinking about how can I afford this $5,000 treatment or this $10,000 treatment? They're thinking more in terms of like when they go in to buy a car, right? How many people go in to buy a car and say like, here's $30,000, give me my car. They think about what they can afford monthly. Oh, I can afford a $400 a month car payment. Well, the same thing in dentistry. They're thinking more of that like buy now, pay later mindset or being able to finance things. So yes, I get it. It's another hit that the practice is taking, but some money is better than no money. So having some of these policies in place, prepayment, payment at check-in, a solid follow-up with your team on these statements and collecting that AR, and then third-party financing. Don't just sign up with the company, make it part of your everyday financial discussions. And you will see your AR percentage go up. And I think, Michelle, you, you, you used the key word that was really important, being consistent. That's what I see the biggest issue with offices that their AR is not at a good collection rate. I think AR is like a baby that constantly needs to be nourished. <laughs> you have to have a system and be consistent because, you know, it's about habits. Patients are smart. And the ones that are, you know, not good at paying are going to pick up on that really quick. So if you're not sending statements when you're supposed to, or you're not doing that follow-up call, or you don't have a you know, system in place, they're going to be like, oh, they'll, they, they're, they're not going to do anything. The last statement I got from them regarding that outstanding balance was three months ago. I can hold off on paying Dr. X, but I can go out and pay my credit card, like you said, because they're going to collect a percentage of, you know, you know, APR on that. And I can't afford to continue skipping that. I'll pay more to them and hold off on this one. So I think that consistent system that you put in is what's going to help you collect better. And, you know, as we're going into this, you know, potential bumpy road of this recession, this is the part you can really focus on and make sure that I, I call it that, you know, you want to be on the short list and not the long list, meaning that be on that short list of pay, you know, that, the patients know that, oh, this is not an office I can mess with. Like they're going to collect versus the office that you're on the long list where it's like, my list is so long. I barely ever even get to the S's because I'm spending way too much on the A through, let's say F, you know, last names, because you're not consistent. You don't have a system in place to do it. And having the right person do it is also important. Not everybody is yeah. cut out to, to collect money. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. So yeah, that, you have to have the right personality and be comfortable to be confrontational with patients being nasty, challenging you, questioning everything you're saying. You know how it is, Michelle. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I don't know why patients think that they can have dental work done and then don't have to pay for it. Right. You know, I use the analogy yeah. all the time. Like, do you go to the grocery store and when you get to the end, you're like, oh, I don't have the money. Can I pay you next week? They'll be like, well, put your groceries back and you can come back next week and get food. It's just something you, you've consistency, protocol, and having options, 
right? When we, when we get into this type of situation, ideally, yes, we want everybody paying in full at the time of service. But right now, we have to maybe get a little bit more creative. And that's why I love third-party third party financing. They have some great options. And like I said, there's so many companies out there and they have so many different things to offer. So don't just look at the big names. Look at some of the other ones that are out there too, because they may be able to help your patients that maybe have a little bit less than excellent credit. Yeah. I think that's, again, options are key right now because not everybody can pay in full. And if you're not doing in-house financing, the third parties are definitely a good game changer there. And then the next piece is honestly the AR. Uh, I mean, sorry, the AR, the recare, focusing on the recare and being able to have a system for that. I know we, we both use DI Dental Intel for you know educating our doctors and their teams on what it's on schedule recare from current to past due of even 18, 24, 36 months. And I have honestly yet to run analytics on a practice where they're, um, you know, on schedule recare is perfect, you know, and I've been exposed to plenty of practices. So there's always enough patients within your practice that can feed your schedule. It's really being able to have a system for that and having ideally somebody on your team that's great at just constantly being on top of that. And obviously, depending on the dynamic of your practice, the age of your patients, some of the offices, you might need to still do those phone calls because they're older and they prefer a phone call. Or even I even have a couple offices, believe it or not, still doing the postcards <laughs> because the patients, the older patients love them. They like to put it on their fridge. It reminds them of the call. But really having that system, okay, the patient does not schedule for, and ideally they should be scheduling before they leave the practice, but let's just say they don't or they fall off the schedule because they want to reschedule or they no-show. Who is following up with those patients? I have offices that the hygienist gets involved, which is great because it's the personal touch from the hygienist that sends that text or email from their you know, portal, depending on whatever platform you're using for that. Or they're actually picking up the phone because they know Mr. Jones. He's been coming to the practice for 20 some years and you have been, you know, your hygienist has been their hygienist for that long. So they love getting that phone call from the hygienist saying, Mr. Jones, where have you been? I haven't seen you on my schedule that immediately gets the patient motivated to come into the practice. But really have, you know, have a system because the minute the patients are past due, it becomes harder to get them on the books. So knowing how to be able to have you know, a checklist, meaning that, okay, I'm going to run, I have a practice. They have a goal of making 20 unscheduled recall phone calls a day. 20, that's their goal. And it doesn't mean that one individual has to do it by themselves, but it might be that it's broken up between the two hygienists and one front desk and do they do a great job. And I've asked them, I'm like, so how many of you guys did you get off the list? So like average two to four, that's a lot per day times four to five days a week. Then they're, you know, their unscheduled retail just continues to thin and out. And instead of having like 1100 unscheduled recall patients, they're not like 420, for example. So it really depends on a system. So if you're just have them just keep adding onto that system and Potentially, as you probably know, some depending on the system software you're using, if you have duplicates because you broke an appointment and then they're also on your unscheduled recall list, you need to spend some time cleaning that up so you have an actual true number for that. You know, and from there to piggyback on that is the customer service you provide with the recare. So if you're just being robotic up front, you're on the phone. I mean, I've observed this all the time, and your front desk is just so overwhelmed that 
patients walking out, not scheduling, and you're potentially your front desk is holding up a finger saying, one moment, I'll be right with you. Oh, you know what? I'll call you, schedule you. That patient's like, they're walking out. They already have nine other things under mind that they have to handle. And to be fair to you and your front desk, he or she up front also has so many things on their checklist. Their potential chance of picking up the phone later to get that patient on the schedule is probably slim. So that's customer service. That personal touch was not there. And it might mean that you guys have to have a better system of your patients being scheduled back by the hygienist, which is what I highly encourage and recommend. But if let's just say your hygienist preference, and I have an office, the hygienist preference is just not there to make the appointment in the back, which is fair. As long as you have a system in front where they can catch them, you avoid that. But it's also how you, your demeanor of how you're, you're presenting that, how you're answering the phone, how you're texting them, all that play hand in hand in the results you get from that recare system, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's fantastic, Malika. I'm also thinking like getting the patients back in for recare, right? Reactivating somebody costs a lot less than attracting a new patient. So you've already got these patients that know you and trust you and get them back in. People are already making comments about, you know, not sure if I'm gonna be able to afford to come back. I can't afford the price of gas. Get them on the schedule now. Get them on the schedule now so that you're not chasing them because down the road, if they don't already have that appointment scheduled and it budgeted in their head of how much it's gonna cost for it, they may put you off for a rent payment, a mortgage payment, just gas. So make yeah. sure that you're, you're doing this and, and also educating them that the least expensive treatment is to get it done now or when it's supposed to be done. Don't put it off because then it's going to be more expensive treatment. It's going to be more chair time, more back and forth to the office. So working on that list consistently, getting people to schedule, you want 80 to 85% of your patients walking out the door with that six month recare appointment scheduled and not asking them. I think it has to do. Yeah. And I think it has to do with like you guys as a team making that an urgent, an urgency, I should say like, okay, guys, hygienists need to know, educating the patient before they walk out of the operatory, how important it is to make your next appointment, three months, four months, six months, depending on the, you know, the patient's hygiene, you know, background of if they're a period patient, whatever the story is. But I feel like if the, if there's a disconnect where your hygienist is not educating the patient on the need for that next appointment, then it is really hard for your front desk to try to get them booked. So being able to, sh- you know, understand. And a lot of times, you know, the hygiene appointment, if it's insurance related, it's paid for anyways. So it's, you know, depending on the scenario, but most of the time hygiene probably should be the least difficult appointment to make. Versus a treatment where there's like a treatment plan, out of pocket, third party, all of that. And also that flow of patients coming in through your practice helps with consistency of knowing what is your future of your hygiene department. Do I need to add a hygienist? You know, um, you know, what is my percentage of hygiene coming into the practice? And what is that feeding my treatment or my operatory in the sense of patient flow? Yeah, excellent. All right. Next topic, membership plans. I know many offices have membership plans, but a membership plan doesn't work if it's just a brochure sitting on the desk up front. It has to be talked about and it should be talked about with everybody, regardless of whether they have insurance or not. 
Now, I'm not necessarily saying that I want people with insurance using the membership plan. What I'm saying is you never know when circumstances are going to change. What if they lose a job? What if they lose their insurance? Now they know that you have this other option in the office. You never know who they're talking to. They could have friends or family that are in need of a, of a practice and you have this membership plan. I love membership plans. I'm actually on the membership plan at my dentist's office. It works out great. You know, you pay a fee, you go in. Fortunately for me, I haven't had to have any dental work done. So it's just my cleanings, just my hygiene visits, which has been fantastic. I think it's well worth it to put together a solid membership plan and market it to your patients. Talk about it because they're going to be coming up. And if they, if they do lose their insurance, you don't want them to think, oh, I can't come here anymore because it's going to be too expensive because I don't have insurance anymore. That you have this great option for them that typically includes the hygiene visits and gives them immediate discounts on the restorative work. So making sure you have a solid plan for that, use it as part of your, your financial protocol, use it as a marketing tool, use it if you really are considering going out of network with insurances. I, I had an office that is going out of network with insurance and she said, you know what, I want to retain these patients. So maybe I'll waive the annual fee for the first year on the membership plan for anybody that's going out of network. If they want to stay here, Basically, they're just getting free hygiene and discounted restorative work. And then next year, they'll have to pay the membership. But it gets them to stay. It gets them to to see what the benefits are. The final thing that I want to talk about today is when you're going into the recession, when we're thinking about expenses, right? Everything Malika and I have talked about today if you think about it, it's protecting your revenue, right? The insurance, focusing on AR, getting some extra money in from third-party financing, getting those recare patients back in, not only for the hygiene stuff, but maybe there's some same-day dentistry you can pull out of them. And the membership plan. Now you got to look at preserving that revenue, <laughs> hanging on to yeah. it. So you should, you should make a list actually three lists, I think. The first one should be, what are your needs? What do you absolutely need to purchase in the next six months? And if it's equipment, we know that like you're looking at six to eight months before you're going to get it anyways. If it's, true. An, true. if it's an absolute need, it goes in the need column. If it's something that you want but don't necessarily need right now. It goes in the wants column. That way you can sit down with your CPA, with your financial advisor, and you can kind of look at building a wish list, like a, an account for wish list items where you can kind of put some money away. And when you get to a certain amount, you can go ahead and purchase the things that you need or you want. And then also building that rainy day fund. You know, fortunately, when COVID happened, there was government relief for people to be able to pay their bills, to be able to continue. That may or may not happen with this recession. So you want to make sure you have money in reserve. And I like to see, you know, three times 
your monthly expenses sitting in an account so that you have three months there. Your financial advisor or CPA might have something different in mind. That's why I say chat with them. But you don't want to to go into this with $5,000 in your account and it's drained every month because you, you need to prepare for this, which is why you need to focus on that AR. It's why you need to focus on the recare and that customer service and making sure that patients are still choosing to come and see you through all of this. Yeah, Michelle, I don't think you could have said it better. I think that cash flow is so, so crucial right now. And as you said, the AR plays hand in hand with your cash flow. You know, be, please, please be in tune with your practice. On your own, run your account receivable report. Just check it yourself. You know, make sure you, you're connected with your staff and when, whoever's dealing with your billing so you can make sure that if there's a tool that they need that you haven't provided, they're educating you on it. And if it means that you said like a third party so that you can close more treatment plans, if it means the type of electronic claim system that you're using is not working and you need a better one so that you can get paid faster or the narrative that you need to make sure you have, let's say for your crown, so those claims get paid, carry your charting. I mean, there's so many things we can talk about that, you know, delay claim processing, making sure you guys have a system for that and you're in tune with the staff members that are handling these pieces that help with your cash flow. So that way, if you don't have a conversation when you're over 90 is 80% of your money that's sitting there because it's great to produce 10, 15, $20,000 a day, but you have to be able to collect that because that's what's going to pay the bills and have, as Michelle said, really well, two times, three times your, you know, um, three months of your, let's say, reserve sitting in your bank because that's your peace of mind to make sure that you're okay. And you're able to pay your team and keep the lights on and obviously grow your practice. Yeah. Thanks so much, Malika. This was like some great insight. As always, I learned something from you. And I always learn from you. I say, <laughs> we can, every time we talk, there's, I'm like, I'm going to take a little note of something you say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you guys came away with one or two things that you can go implement in the practice. You know, you can go back and, and listen Re-listen a couple times. You can implement. Um, we're always here. If you need to uh, pick our brains a little bit, you can always reach out to us. But we will see you next time. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit zardentalconsulting.com and affinitymanagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.